0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I wanna say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you're brand new, uh, I'm the pastor here, my name's Tyler, but you are in for a treat. Uh, My childhood best friend is in the house. Um, Come on now. Uh, and when I mean like like childhood best friend, yeah, uh, Andrew Gard, uh, I introduced him as Drew, but nobody's allowed to call him Drew. I did that the other day. He's like, my name's Andrew. Um, uh, always be Drew Deasy to me. Uh, but yeah, we've been friends for 25 plus years. Uh, we were 14 years old uh, and this kid moved from the ghetto, shout out, uh, to Puyallup, Washington, the Burbs. And he walked into basketball practice. And back then it was cool to have one sock really high up to your knee and then one sock all the way down to your ankle. And so Drew walked in and he had one sock up and one sock down. I was like, that guy is cool. Uh, this, is, this is fashion. And, uh, and so we started uh, talking at practice, first practice, and uh, started, I started rapping Mace. Uh, he was back, big back then. Come on, Mace, yeah, trick what Lace do, that what Mace do, got a lot of girls that loved to replace you. Anyways, um, and uh, Puff Daddy, they were big, big, big back then. And, uh, We are just shooting free throws and Drew looked at me. First time I remember, he's like, you wanna spend the night tonight? And I was like, yeah. And uh, spent the night and then uh, the next day I was like, you wanna go camping with my family and me? And Drew was like, yeah. And uh, we went camping and literally ever since then, we've been best friends. Talk on the phone almost every day. Uh, He's not my best friend, he's family. Uh, I grew up in a broken home and uh, I feel like God gave me a brother uh, to help me steward uh, those hard stormy seasons. You can't do life on your own, I hope you knew that. And uh, so I've been through some peaks and some valleys, and Drew's been with me through all 25 years of them, and he's loved me through them, championed me through them. Sometimes told me stop complaining like a little uh, whiner. Sometimes through them, I didn't like those ones. Um, but uh, why didn't he say whiner? No, no, no. He cusses sometimes. Pray for him, okay? Um, he did not say whiner. Come on now, we at church, bro. Um, I, uh, I have people often ask me, uh, why is it that you believe that those far from God can come to know God? And I can tell you simply why, is because Andrew Gard was the worst sinner of them all. Uh, he was great at sinning. I'm serious. In our high school, like Andrew Gard knew how to sin. We would go home for lunch, and I would eat my lunch, and Drew would go in the backyard and smoke weed. I wouldn't, because I was an asthmatic, so all I was hitting was, was my inhaler. So I never smoked the weed, um, partying, you name it. And one day Drew came to school the next morning. He said, Tyler, I got saved. And I was like, stop playing. He had a Bible in his hand and uh, he got saved. saved. Uh, Drew is great at sinning, but Jesus is better at saving. And uh, uh, it was so cool to see my best friend fall in love with the Lord. And I knew the Lord as a little kid, but we started going to church and God grabbed my heart and we've been able to fall in love with the Lord. And, plant churches, and it's hilarious for me to see somebody who was the worst sinner, now a great father, a great husband, a great pastor of a great church in Lakeland, Florida, a great city, a great friend, um, a great brother. And so uh, I believe that God can do that again in the Bay Area for other people. So uh, this is family today. So can you guys show off today for me? Can you, can you, can you, can you respond well? Oh, okay. Um, not not to me, but when he's preaching, but I, I'll take it. Um, so when he says something kind of good, make it sound really good. Like, oh, that was really good. You know, when he just says, "Jesus, ooh, who's this Jesus?" You know. Um, but uh, will you love my friend, my brother? Give it up for Andrew Guard. Come on.
1: Right on. Well, what's going on, mission? Ch- are you are you glad you're at church this morning? Glad, glad you're here. Glad. If you're not glad you're here, you will be, I promise you by the end of uh, today. And uh, man, w- what, a, what a honor it is uh, to be here uh, with you. Uh, my wife, Christina, and I got to come and hang out. We were hanging out all week, but then she had to fly back to, to Florida. She was speaking at a women's conference there. So she had to fly back to Fort Lauderdale and, and uh, kind of do that. So she wishes, she wishes that she was here. But um, you know what's cool? I've loved you since before you were even a thing. Before Mission Church was even even a thing, uh, Tyler and I were talking about you and praying about you and and believing for great things uh, in Northern California and just uh, so it's been cool for me to kind of see from afar. You know, COVID kind of jacked up our rhythm of me coming out here regularly, and uh, um, because you know I'm 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 in Florida and um, you guys are serious. so many jokes that I'm not gonna say right now Uh, and uh, uh, so I actually got to come really at the very beginning of the church and uh, and so for me to come here now as you guys are you know coming up on four years it's really a miracle what God has done and if you're new to this community I want to encourage you uh, you found a great place and I would encourage you to plant deep roots and I would encourage you to do everything you can to get in a group and serve on a team and start giving with your generosity and do everything you can to plant roots here. Because the Bible says that we are to seek ye first, the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto thee. And so I would just encourage you, uh, you found a great place. And come on, do you love your pastors? Don't you love Tyler and Rachel Johnson? Are they not the best people in the world? You know, the thing I, I, the thing I love about Tyler is, um, what you see is what you get, right? Just so authentic, so transparent. He's a phenomenal leader, phenomenal man of God. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just pumped to be here, man, I'm excited. And, um, and as Tyler said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad, uh, which is really weird. Um, like it's weird to me that my kids are gonna be PKs, pastor's kids. In fact, it didn't even dawn on me until about two months before my kids were born. I was just driving in the car and I went, my kids are gonna be PKs. So pray for my kids, uh, that they're normal. My goal, is, I, I, my goal is normal. Lord, I pray normal over my kids. Normal in Jesus' name, normal. Uh, and uh, in fact, I, I got a picture of, uh, of my family. I think, I think the team has it. Uh, so, that, so that is my wife, Christina, who is amazing. She's working on her PhD right now. She has two master's degree and, uh, and she's working on her PhD in clinical psychology. And so I get free counseling whether I want it or not. Pretty awesome. And then those are uh, our twins. They will be three, look at them. Oh, look at them. Uh, that is my son, Justice Andrew Gard, uh, my little beast of a man, and, uh, and that is our daughter, Adriana Grace. A, a, we call her Addie Grace, and, uh, and they will be three in a week. And, uh, and so we, we are loving life, and, uh, and it's been absolutely incredible. Well, I'm, I'm gonna preach a little bit, is that okay? Uh, I heard Tyler preaches for like an hour, so I got plenty of time. <laughs> I got plenty of time. So open up your Bible with me, me, with me if you could to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse six. Uh, man, it's so good to be here. Matthew 26, verse six. And we're gonna be kind of six through 13. And uh, I wanna preach a message today that I'm calling When Two Lines Meet. When two lines meet, God uses people, amen? God wants to use you. And in Matthew 26, verse six, it reads like this. It says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were frustrated, they were indignant. And they said, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus aware of this said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me for you're always gonna have the poor with you but you will not always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you so much for the honor it is to share your word. Lord, I pray God that every word that it's of of me, God, let it fall to the floor, but God, if it's by your spirit, God, let it pierce our hearts. Today, God, we open up our mind. We open up our heart. We ask you to encourage us, build us, convict us, strengthen us, enlighten us. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. Thank you. You sound amazing. Appreciate you. Uh, uh, you, you ever uh, uh, inspired uh, by, by how someone uh, is living their life, maybe from afar? You ever watch somebody from afar or maybe even up close and, and based on how they live their life, you're like, man, that is really, really inspiring to me. Well, I'm a firm believer in this. Uh, there are two types of people in the world. There are confrontational people and there are non-confrontational people. Come on, they're, they're the confrontational people. Like if, you, you know, if, if you're walking in a grocery store and some confrontation starts to happen, you slow down. <laughs> you wanna see how it's gonna, gonna manifest? You wanna see how it's gonna, gonna play out? Like, let, let me see your hand if you, I just wanna know what kind of church Mission Church is. Let me see your hand if you're kind of a confrontational type of person. Let me see your hand. You're a confrontational person. Okay, cool, there's a few of you. Okay, cool, yeah, you're kind of confrontational and... And then there's the non-confrontational people. Let me see you raise your hand if you're non-confrontational. In fact, even raising your hand right now is like, uh, this feels aggressive. This feels very aggressive. <laughs> Unsure and and uh, and the reality is this: uh, we have all seen the damage that these two extremes can do, yeah. right? We, we've all seen the damage that being overly confrontational. Can do. Come on, you ever jump into a conversation with a coworker or with your spouse or with your kids and you jump into it and you are just too much and you're like, I should have eaten something <laughs> before that conversation. Like, I should have taken a nap. Like, I didn't need that confrontation. I needed a sandwich. Like, come on, we, we, we've all had moments like that in our life. However, we, we've also had moments where Being non-confrontational in the extreme can do a lot of damage. Come on, we've seen marriages crumble because of a lack of confrontation. We've seen kids go astray because of a lack of of confrontation. And so so we, we have seen these elements in their extremes. And I really believe this. I believe that there's a third way that God is calling you and I to live our lives if we're gonna follow Jesus and get the most out of our lives. And it's this word, engaged. I don't think God calls us to be these hyper confrontational people. And I don't believe that God calls us to kind of fear and cower at confrontation. I believe that God has called us to live our lives with eyes wide open, engaged with the world. In fact, I'll never forget uh, right out of college, my wife and I, we pastored in the Washington DC area and we were young adult pastors and youth pastors out there. And, um, and I was on uh, the DC Metro uh, with one of my mentors. And, and we were hanging out and we were sitting there and we were just talking about life. And uh, this, this woman was sitting right next to him. So it was me, my mentor, and then this woman sitting next to him. And, and she had a kid that was kind of, you know, standing uh, there and, and he was kind of, you know, like kind of going crazy, doing kid things, doing kid things, right? He was kind of going crazy and being a little rambunctious and, and, and she was trying to get him to stop. And after about seven minutes, you can tell she's getting frustrated and she looks at him and says, stop it, stupid. (laughs) Now, I wasn't a parent yet. And typically I don't like to speak outside of my authority. But even I knew, probably not the best approach. And I'll never forget sitting there. And have you ever been in an environment like this where that happens and it's quick and you think to yourself, somebody should do something. (laughs) Like somebody should say something, not me, but somebody. Somebody should say something. And while I was having this thought, my mentor leans over to the woman and says, ma'am, the word stupid is not easily forgotten. And then he leaned back and I was like, yeah. And I gotta be honest. I wish I could tell that story in first person. You would think so much more highly of me. <laughs> I wish when I told the story that, that I would be able to say, and then I leaned over <laughs> and said, ma'am, the word stupid is not easily forgotten. But I didn't, I froze. Cause I didn't know what to say and I, I didn't know what to do. And I remember I, I, we get off the Metro and I asked my friend Monty and I said, hey, 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 what, what possessed you to say something? And he said this, I'll never forget it. it changed." my life. And he said, I just decided at one moment in my life that if something was happening around me, it was happening to me. And I just have a conviction that if God has put me in that place, that he has put me in an environment and he has given me by his spirit, the capacity to say something and to speak in the situations that are going on around me. So fast forward the tape years later, right? Because things have to be practiced. And so you gotta work things out. And so, uh, so years later, we had moved from DC kind of back to the Seattle area where we're from. And, and uh, uh, I was on staff at a church and, and I was at this place late at night. Now there is one place for the confrontational people in the room, there is a place that I can guarantee we could go tonight after nine o'clock that I could guarantee you wanna see some confrontation and I guarantee you we could go to this place after nine o'clock and I could guarantee you some confrontation in that place is called Walmart. <laughs> I guarantee you we could go. And so I'm at Walmart, it's about 9.45 at night and I'm buying dog food. I have one item. And, and as I was checking out, now I went to the self checkout thing and I notice some confrontations start to happen. Right? I notice some confrontations start to happen. So I slow my roll. The problem is I got one item. So I'm trying to like take seven minutes to scan this one item. And 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 it's actually a, a similar type of scenario. So so the woman that works there that oversees the six kiosks. By the way, that's a great job, right? That person that is only there if you really need it. And then the light goes on. They run over. A good gig. <laughs> so this woman is standing there, and this woman is checking out. You know, she's checking her stuff out, and her son keeps crawling up on another scanner. And so he's crawling up on another scanner, and this woman that's working there is saying, uh, "Ma'am, I need your son to get down off the He's like scanning himself. So I need him. <laughs> I need him to get down off the scanner. Very reasonable, very gracious. The woman oh, grabs her son, gets him down, starts checking out again. I can tell this is building. So I'm still one item. (laughs) Sure enough, the kid gets back up on the scanner. And again, ma'am, can you please, can you get your son? He's on the scanner. He's going to break it. Can you, can you get him down? And this time it's like the third time this has happened. She looks at the woman and she says, well, if you would do your bleeping job, I could get the bleep out of here. And I remembered what Monty had said. If it was happening around me, it's happening to me. And so I instinctively go, whoa, 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 ma'am, Like you don't need to talk to her like that. And she looked at me and said, who the bleep are you? <laughs> and this literally, and I this is, I'm quoting myself, this is exactly what I said. I said, ma'am, I'm the guy that's not gonna let you talk to her like that, get some. I don't know why I said get some. I don't know why I said, get some. Like I was gonna fight this middle-aged woman. I'm a college pastor in our city. I, I, I didn't know why I said, get some. It's weird It's Walmart, I was a part of the problem. And so my whole life has has been this, man, God, I wanna be engaged, and, and, and how do I make sure that I'm, I'm paying attention? You wanna know what I've come to believe in life? God does not use the most talented. He doesn't use the most gifted. He uses people that are paying attention. He uses people whose eyes are open. He uses people that when they get up on Monday and go to work, they have a discerner about them to go, maybe just maybe that person in my cubicle next to me needs what I heard yesterday at church, and maybe that's why I was at church, and maybe that's that's why I'm in the cubicle next to this person. And maybe that's why God filled me with his spirit, which is to lead me in such a way that I have a response to what people are going through. And, and I, think, I think you and I, man, we, we, we gotta make sure that we're paying attention forever. God used people that were just paying attention. Moses was just paying attention. Moses is tending to his father-in-law's sheep. Come on, he's working for his father-in-law. He's in a rough spot in life. <laughs> And he's just, he's just tending to the sheep. And he notices a burning bush over here. He's just paying attention. I wonder how many burning bushes you and I've missed. I wonder how many times that if we would have just been paying attention, Moses sees this burning bush, he walks over to it. And just because he's paying attention, an entire nation is led out of captivity. Zacchaeus is just paying attention. Zacchaeus sees Jesus walking from afar, and so he runs up and climbs up a tree just just so he could get a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus, come down today. I'm gonna dine with you. And his entire family is saved. Why? Because he's just paying attention. I'm grateful. You probably have had some people in your life like this as well that, that came into your life because they were just paying attention. I remember, you know, Tyler said it, you know, when I was 17, I'd never thought about God. I never, I never, I didn't grow up in a family like that. I grew up with a single mom till I was nine years old. And, and uh, I just, just never really had those like, what is life? You know what I mean? I I didn't, I'm like, life is today, bruh. Like, you know, like I I was kind of in that vein. And, um, and at 17 years old, I got invited to this event where uh, Darrell Scott was speaking and his, his daughter was Rachel Scott and she died in the Columbine shootings. And so at this time that happened about a year prior and at this time that was national news. Now, unfortunately, stuff like that happens every year, which is devastating. And at that time, we'd never really seen anything like this. And so I go to this event and I'm in this gymnasium with a few thousand people and I'm sitting there and Daryl Scott says, hey, uh, raise your hand if you felt something like you never felt before at the very end. My hand goes up. I'm like, Boop. I've done a lot of drugs. This feels different. And he says, okay, come up here and we'll have people pray for you and you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. I remember I was 17 years old and I'm I'm just just sitting there. And this was a new language for me and tons of people are going up. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm, I'm not gonna go, but my hand stayed up for about two full minutes. My hand just stays up, but I'm not walking up there. People are going up there. And this guy, like three rows up, comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey man, I'll take you up there if you want me to. His name was Ryan Ryan. First name Ryan, last name Ryan. I don't know, man. I don't know. And he takes me up there and I start, they, they start talking to me about what Jesus Christ did for my life and and, and, and him and two other college guys that have kind of been trained to do this type of ministry said, okay, like let, let's pray together. And we prayed what we kind of call in the, in the church, the sinner's prayer. And I just began to pray, dear Jesus, come into my life, make me brand new. Forgive me of my past and give me hope for my future as I choose tonight to make you the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. And right when I said, amen, I started bawling. I mean, bawl. You ever cry so hard, you gotta go look at yourself in the mirror? You ever do that? You're just uh, just crying so hard. You're like, I gotta see what's happening right now. I gotta, you ever do that? Just me? Okay, cool. I mean, a good cry. And at the end, Ryan said, hey, uh, well, what are you doing? Uh, like, what do you typically do for lunch? And I said, just kind of hang out with my friends. We have off-campus lunch. He said, well, what if I picked you up tomorrow and took you out to lunch and we could talk about the decision that you made? 17 years old, I said, yeah, man, that sounds good. And we go out to lunch and he gives me a book called 50 Days to a Firm Foundation and he gives me my first Bible. We talk about the things of God. Now, my parents thought I had lost my mind. Like I literally saw a shrink, uh, you know, about four months after I got saved because my parents thought I had, they thought I lost it. They're like, the drugs did it. They finally got them, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and Ryan Ryan picked me up, and it was a huge deal for me at 17 years old. And, and then what's crazy is after that lunch, he said, well, what are you doing tomorrow? And again, he drove. Now, mind you, he was driving about 30 to 35 minutes one direction from Gig Harbor, Washington to Puyallup, Washington, one direction, took a young man out to lunch that he didn't know. And we would read, you know, that day's reading for 50 days to a firm foundation for the first 30 days, he did that for the first 30 days of my walk with Jesus, Ryan, Ryan drove 30, 35 minutes, one direction met with me for an hour and drove back for the last 20 days. He would come out about every other day. And when he didn't come out, we would talk on the phone. So for the first 50 days of my walk with Jesus, Ryan, Ryan took me out to lunch about 38 to 40 times. We talked on the phone every day. I'll never forget on day 50, he calls me up. We talk about that last day's reading. And, he'll, and he said this, I'll never forget it. He, he said, I just want you to know, Andrew, my wife's praying for you. I'm praying for you. Our church is praying for you. We believe God's gonna use you in a profound way, but my assignment with you is up. Now, when I was 17, a new believer, I didn't even know what that kind of language meant. Now I understand it a great deal more. I remember I hung up the phone with Ryan Ryan and then I didn't talk to him for 20 years after that the reality is this, is that I'm so glad Ryan Ryan was paying attention. I'm so glad that, that he responded to the whisper of God to look up and look down and see a 17-year-old kid and tap me on the shoulder and said, hey, I'll take you up there. If you want, and I'm so grateful that he had the capacity and the wherewithal to listen to the spirit of God and listen to what God was saying to drive out 35 minutes one direction to invest his time, his energy, his money, his resources and, 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 and everything, by the way, that he felt equipped for and everything he didn't feel equipped for. Yeah. And so here's my point. My only point today is this, is that God brings his plan together through the daily interactions of bold and faithful people. That's how God works. God's plan comes together when the people of God say, I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna be faithful and I'm going to orient my life around serving other people. After all, this is what we see what's going on with this woman, right? It says, now when Jesus was at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they're frustrated and they say, why this waste? You ever, you ever found yourself trying to control everything? Let me see, control freaks in the room. Let me see your hand. I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we got, I, 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 I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a control freak. And, and, and isn't it interesting how we, we try to control everything? In fact, I, I'm gonna let you in on a secret. I do this sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. You probably don't, you look like amazing people. But, but, but sometimes what we do, you ever go out to lunch with a group of people and you walk into a restaurant, like maybe after church, you were going out to lunch with maybe eight people and you walk into a room. You want to know what we tend to subconsciously do. Now, some of us do it consciously. Some of us do it subconsciously. But as soon as we walk in with a group of people, we rank everybody. You ever found yourself doing it? You rank everybody. And, and, and here's how you're ranking them. Here's who I would most want to sit by and here's who I would least want to sit by. You ever, do, you ever walk into a restaurant, you're with a group of people and you walk in and you're like, okay, okay, we're all walking in. Okay, we're all walking in. Okay, 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 I, I'd like to sit there. Okay, they're sitting there, okay, I like them. I like them, okay, okay, they're sitting at the end. Okay, go, I don't wanna sit there. Okay, 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 I'm sitting down, 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 I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down, I'm sitting down. Ah, okay, victory, this was good, right? In, in fact, one of my most anxious moments is whenever I do a wedding, and, 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 I, and, I, and I do a wedding and I walk up to the board to see who I'm sitting with. And I'm like, this is going to determine if we're sane or if we're going to get Taco Bell. <laughs> this table. What table are we at? Who's around us? And, and, and we, we all do this to, to, to varying degrees. We, 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 all, we all tend to, to be very, very selective. In fact, what I find interesting is oftentimes we do this in the reverse way that we are supposed to. Meaning this, we are very careless with our inner circle and selective with who we minister to. We are very careless with our inner circle. So we'll let people that that, that are just pulling us down with negativity, we will let people that, like, like, wait, why do I spend so much time with this person? When I leave lunch with them, I feel discouraged. I feel bogged down. I feel insecure. I'm overthinking everything. And, and, And we're very careless with our inner circle. And yet when it comes time to like minister to people, we're like, oh. And what's interesting is a lot of us would rather control every environment and have very predictable results than live a life where we are open to divine encounters. We'd rather live a life where we're trying to control everything, where we're trying to, trying to maneuver everything than just to say, God, whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to minister to today. In, in fact, might I, select it, might I suggest that you be more selective of your inner circle and be much, 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 much more open to whoever God puts in front of you to minister to. Be very wise. Like, right? Jesus selected his 12 disciples, and in those 12, he had three, and in those three, he had one. He was very selective. And yet, what? He would minister to anybody. And some of you, you need to reverse engineer this thing, and you need to revisit. Your inner circle, and then you need to be more open to what God is wanting to do. I mean, th- think about this, this, this place. I mean, Jesus, what a random course of events! Like, first of all, it says Jesus is at the home of Simon the leper, which, by the way, that's kind of a bummer if you're Simon, right? You know what I mean? Like, like you know, a very temporary skin disease that like is going to be over. And now it's like who you are. It's like you know Sarah, the athlete's foot chick, like in the Bible, <laughs> forever. It's like, man, like if I'm Simon, I'm like, it was temporary. I don't even have it anymore. Like, <laughs> so he's at the house of Simon the leper and, and, and then the disciples are there and then, this random, and then there's other randoms there and then this woman comes and just starts pouring oil on his head, which was not like a normal thing that would take place. There's a lot of randomness going on. Might I suggest you be more open to the randomness? Might um, might I suggest that you would just be more open to man, maybe just maybe if God put me here, God wants me to do something about it. And then it goes on in verse 10. It says, the, I love the disciples, they're frustrated. Too much chaos, not controlled enough. Not, not, not orderly enough, not pretty enough, not cute enough. But Jesus is, but Jesus, aware of this, said, Why do you trouble the woman? for she has done a beautiful thing to me for you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. I'm going to have the keys come up uh, at this time. Cause uh, I'm not close to done. So don't worry. <laughs> it's my first finish. Um, as I said, my wife is a, she was a marriage and family therapist when we were in Washington state. And now she, she teaches uh, psychology at a uh, uh, Southeastern university. And, and, uh, and so uh, um, like I said, I get free counseling whether I want it or not. It's wonderful. It's a blessing. And, uh, uh, and so uh, she shows this video uh, that many of you have seen, I'm sure. She shows a video to her Psych 101 class. And, and maybe you've seen this video, but, but uh, it starts out with uh, like a black screen. And it says, count how many times the kids pass the ball to each other. You see, and and, and so, so, and then it cuts to a scene where there's like eight kids in like a playground type setting and they're passing the ball to each other. They're kind of all passing the ball and you're counting one, two, three. And you're getting real prideful. You're like, I'm good at this. I'm so good at this. It's insane. Like, like I'm gifted. I am a gifted person. And you're counting it. And, and then at the end, it says, how many times did the kids pass the ball? And you're like, 11. I'm good at this again, 11, 11. And before it gives you the answer, it will go to like another black screen and it'll say, but did you see the gorilla? Have, have you seen this? Hey, let me see if you've seen this, okay, right? It's like Psych 1017. stuff. And it says, but did you see the gorilla? And then what it will do is it'll show a replay. Then it goes to a next thing. And sure enough, while the kids were passing the ball, a grown six foot two man in a gorilla costume came and walked right in the middle of the shot beats his chest, stands there for another beat, and then walks off. And you're like, no, there's no way. And so what I have to do, because I'm a very distrusting person, so I got to go back. I'm I'm like, no, they could have edited this. They edited this. No, no, no. And so I go back to the beginning, and sure enough, While I'm counting the passes, a gorilla comes and walks right in the middle of the shot. And I'm like, how did I miss that? You wanna know what life is doing to us? And I would say a lot right now, specifically, life is getting the people of God to count how many times the kids are passing the balls and we're caught up on the wrong objective and we're missing the gorilla in the middle of the screen. I wonder what a tragedy it would be to live life and get the right answer to the wrong question. Some of us, man, we're we're, we're trying to answer the wrong questions and, and we're missing the gorilla missing it we're just we're just just counting we're counting our career how do I keep climbing the ladder we're counting social media and we're going okay how how, how do I fit in into the mix of all this we're we're counting our reach we're doing all this stuff and and God's like yeah yeah that's cute that's awesome go for it great but did you see the gorilla bro like are, are you missing what life is all about which is the worship of God and then the laying down your life and serving other people But here's what you have to understand. If you're gonna do this type of thing, I love going to see movies. I love going to see, Tyler and Rachel, um, I went and saw a movie with them, it was terrible, a couple days ago. They were like, you wanna go see a Marvel movie? I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, but we like Marvel movies. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And I went and they were like, they're usually not this bad. about movies is I love like the score of a movie I love the soundtrack of a movie because did you know in real life there is an excuse me in in movies there's an indicator that a moment is about to happen and what it's based on the score underneath like when the music starts playing you're like oh mama say mama salsa makusan like this is gonna be (laughs) a moment this is gonna be amazing See, what you have to understand is that if you're going to step out and make a difference in people's lives, there's no background music in real life. you got to cut through the awkwardness. you got to cut through the... Mo- in fact, what real life typically looks like is this. Go ahead and stop playing for just a second. What real life usually looks like is this. Like, hey, Joe, I'm really proud of you. I've known Joe Little a long time. And I'm just really proud of how God's using you. Really proud of the husband you are, really proud of the man you are. Grateful for the youth ministry that you're building, excited for the future. Can you play again? Can you, can you play again? Can, can, can you, can you? Hey, Joe. for the background music. You're waiting for the perfect moment. You're waiting for having all the right. You know what I found to be true about life is listen, I think we're waiting for the right things I don't wanna say the wrong thing. What I found to be true about life is that sometimes the only thing worse than saying the wrong thing is saying nothing. And we're waiting for the background. We're waiting for everything to be perfect. We're waiting for everything to be cute and tied off in a boat. We're waiting to have all the right answers instead of this woman who didn't know how it was gonna play out, didn't know how it was, and she just stepped into the moment. And there weren't no keys going. There weren't no church service. She's just in there just pouring oil on Jesus' head. 2,000 years later, we're talking about it like it's this profound moment. Listen to this. Do not ever underestimate the profoundness of the moment, even if it doesn't feel very profound in the moment. You think Ryan Ryan was like, oh man, this guy's gonna lead a church someday and he's gonna, no. We're just sitting at Wendy's with no music, no lights, and we're just sitting there answering my awkward questions. Story only plays later. Story's only a great story later. And then it finishes with this. Verse 12, it says, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus is essentially saying from now on, whenever my story is told, her story is going to be told. And here we are 2000 years later, still talking about this woman. It's amazing what you and I are willing to do with an awareness that Jesus is in the room. This woman steps into the room and she's like, I don't know when I'm going to be, with Jesus ever again in the physical form. I'm I'm taking advantage. See, I think sometimes the reason why we don't step out, invite people to church, take people out to lunch, ask them to pray for them, do whatever. Hey, can I buy you lunch? You leverage our resources to help other people is because we're just not fully aware that Jesus is in the room and that his spirit is with us. But it's amazing what you're willing to do when you're, aware of Jesus. In fact, uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, so I hadn't talked to Ryan Ryan in 20 years. And three years ago, uh, I get a text from one of our, uh, uh, one of our staff members, our director of operations, Matt Higgins, and, and our whole staff knows the Ryan Ryan story. And, and, uh, and he texts me and he goes, dude, Ryan Ryan. And it was a letter from Ryan Ryan, Gig Harbor, Washington. And it was a Tuesday. I usually don't go in on Tuesday because that's my study day, but I got in the car quickly and drove to our offices and I opened up this letter. And when I opened up this letter, it was a picture of him and his family and it was two checks for a thousand dollars. And it was this letter right here. I wanna read it to you. This is what he said. He said, Andrew, I've been meaning to send you a note of encouragement for some time. About a year ago, someone who heard you preach at a conference reached out to my wife and asked if we knew each other. Imagine that. I'm so encouraged by what God has done in your life. When you're back in the Northwest, I'd love to catch up with you and I'd love to introduce you to my family, especially my 17 year old son. He's getting ready to head into his senior year of high school and I think he faces many of the same questions and challenges you did back when our lives crossed paths almost 20 years ago. Anyway, enclosed are two checks from our family. One to help support your church there in Florida and a second one to maybe help fund a trip back to the Northwest so you and your wife can connect with old friends and family. If there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that long-term friendships are invaluable, are, are, are invaluable. Blessings, my friend, Ryan Ryan. And he left his cell phone in there. So I called that brother right away. <laughs> I called him up and I said, hey man, Andrew Guard." He goes, Andrew, what you been up to? <laughs> And I began to tell him all these things. In fact, at that time, we had just found out we were pregnant and it wasn't public yet. My wife and I tried for 10 years, undiagnosed infertility. And, and so I got to share with him, hey man, we're, we're getting ready to have kids. We're having twins and, and begin to like share with him like what God has done. And towards the end of that conversation, I said, hey, hey, hey Ryan, can you, um, can you do me a favor? I know you, you know, like saved my life. Like God used you, I get it. But like, you know. I said, can you do me one more favor? Can you let me fly you and your family out and take your kids to Disney World? Because I want them to experience the fruit of what you invested into me 20 years ago. And so we worked out the schedule and and sure enough, in fact, even before that, a month before he came out, I actually surprised him at his house. We shot this amazing video, it's unbelievable. And we got to bring him and his family out. And now what's amazing is Ryan, even though he lives in Washington state, our church is in Florida, they're like kingdom builders at our church. They're at our church a bunch. They come down, like our our worlds are connected now. In fact, his 17 year old son resonated with us so much, had given his life to Christ, and now goes to college in our city so he could be a part of the church. I am now his son's pastor. You have no idea how it impacts your life when you choose to invest in other people. You have no idea. So, here's the fundamental question, and I'll end with this. Here's the fundamental question for you Who are you sacrificing for? Who are you laying it down for? Who are you budgeting around? Who are you creating margin in your schedule for? Who's the 17 year old young person that in 20 years will be sharing your story? See, here's the question, and this has been the foundation of our ministry is this, who would not be able to tell their Jesus story without including your name? Whose Jesus story is tethered to you? Not for your glory, but for the glory of God. Come on, would there be anybody in this room that you would say, that's what I want my life to be about? I want my life. Come on. Some of you, you're in here, you've been married for like 25 years. Those of us that have been married, like in this room for like less than five, we need you. Some of you in this room, you're struggling with infertility right now. I guarantee there's other couples in here that have struggled with infertility. We need you. We need you to use every fiber of your being, every part of your story. All of your research. Uh, the church just wants my money. No, no, no. The church don't want your money. Uh, God requires everything. Church don't want 10%. God doesn't want 10% of your money. He wants it all. He's <laughs> not interested in 10%. He wants all of it. Oh man, time. The church just wants my time. No, no, we don't want some of your time. God wants all of your time. Your whole thing. Your whole deal. Uh, I just want too much. I just feel fried out from it. By the way, you ever heard this? Like I'm burned out from serving. No, you're not. No, you're not. Like imagine if, if Peter, when I went up to Jesus, hey Jesus, I've kind of been serving. I've been a greeter for like six straight months. I've been there every Sunday. I, I'm gonna I'm take a break for like six months. I'll just catch up where, wherever you guys are walking around. I'll catch up. The Bible teaches just the opposite. The Bible says those who refresh others are themselves refreshed. So you're not burned out from serving people. You might be burned out because you're a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. You just haven't found your spot yet. You might be burned out because you're trying to do it on your own strength. There are other things that burn you out. Serving people does not burn you out. Serving a local church does not burn you out. Gives you life. Puts things in order for your life. Come on, can we, can we stand to our feet? Now I'm gonna ask if we would bow our head. I just wanna ask a couple questions. First question is this, you're in this room right now with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. You're in this room right now. And if you and I were to go out to lunch and I were just to look you dead in your eye, and I were just to ask you, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? If your answer is, I don't know, or, or, or no, or maybe 20 years ago, I felt like I was following God, but I've, I've walked away and a friend invited me to church and you would just say, hey, this is my moment. I believe this, this is why you came to church today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved from your own sins, saved from your own imperfections and that you will inherit eternal life. By the way, not just when you die and go to heaven, but God wants to give you a new kind of life right now. And if that's you with everybody head bowed and eyes closed, when I count it to three, I'm just gonna ask you to just do me a favor, just lock our elbow and lift up your hand and say, Yep, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I want to accept the free gift of grace. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. For some of you, this is gonna be like a birthday. And that's you, ready. One, two, three. Go and lift up your hand all across this room. Yep, see you right there, see you right there, see you right there, see you right there, see you right there. Way to go. Yep, see both of you right there. That's beautiful. Come on. Most important decision in your life: who is Jesus? He is Lord beautiful you can put your hands down second question is this you're in this room right now and you're following Jesus but if you were honest you'd say man I've oriented this thing around me and I don't want to do that anymore I want to lay it down I want to be part of the bold and faithful people who God works through I want you to lift up your hand all across this room right now Come on, we're gonna start budgeting around this. We're gonna start planning around this. We're gonna start laying it down. God, I pray right now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, God, that we would be the kind of people that sacrifice for people. Lord, that we would be the kind of bold and faithful people that know how to encourage people, that know how to step into people's world. And God, even when we don't have all the answers and even when we don't know everything to say, God, we're gonna say something and we're gonna speak up, God, and we're gonna be led by your spirit. And we're going to work out the gifts, God, as we, as we just do our best to live lives that are fully engaged and fully aware. In Jesus' name. And we all said amen and amen. Come on, anybody grateful for the grace and the mercy of God this morning?
0: Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons.